Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, I'm going to tell you how I got a job. It was only for a few hours, and this is a clickbait title, so I'm aware of that, but it's kind of an interesting story, and I think we can learn something from it. I know I learned a little bit from it, and it's kind of cool how the different skills that you learn over time can really pay off. And even when you're not looking for a gig, things kind of pan out. So before I get to this, well, it turns out to be a long monologue, I need to thank the sponsor. That's Otis Global, O-D-Y-S dot global. They're the source for premium age domains with strong branding and powerful backlinks. It's kind of a cool feature domain for today, blueguitar.org. It was an affiliate site that offered guides for guitarists, helping them make the best choice when it comes to guitars and accessories. Back in the year 2000, someone created this. It's 22 years old. It has a domain rating of 31 and a domain authority of 36. And I think we kind of know what you can do with this type of a blog. You can hit it hard with informational content. I'm very much into guitars, but people ask questions like, how do you change strings? How do you change strings for a slotted headstock? Which that's something I actually Googled and watched a video on it. You can go deep into all the different types of guitars, acoustic, Electric. There's some obscure baritone multiple string situations, like more than six strings. You can go into pedals and amps and all these different areas. There's a lot of uh, Q&A, a lot of things where you can match things up, like a specific type of pickup for an acoustic guitar and how that matches up with a specific amp. The sky's the limit on these sorts of keywords. I think you maybe would never run out of keywords. So you can monetize with affiliate and display ads given the breadth of different topics you can cover. A lot of links going to this one. So over a thousand unique referring domains, about 790 of them are do follow. There are links coming from places like Chicago Reader, Stanford.edu, uh, salon and instructables.com among many, many others. If you join Otis using my affiliate link, you can get a hundred dollars into your account and I might earn an affiliate commission if you do buy anything. So thanks to Otis and let's shoot it over to the episode. Well, it's a clickbait title and I'm, I'm aware of that. I got the job for like four hours or so. So it was a, a two day little engagement and I wasn't, I wasn't like enthusiastic about doing it when I first heard about it, but I kind of warmed up to the idea. It was kind of doing a favor for someone. And then like, I don't know, it may turn into something more in the future, which is weird. Cause I always say, you know, I'm not going to get another job or anything like this. Uh, but it is purely freelance and it'll all make sense in a second how it ties together with some of the themes that I talk about uh, on the show and just in general. And I'll, I'll tell you what it is. I, I got a gig as a videographer 
for a fairly large event, or at least large uh, for me, especially considering I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, except for a little piece here and there. So I'll tell you about that. And the idea is, you know, you can learn from what I have done and maybe figure out some ways that you can do something like this. And then the other part is just the sort of serendipity and just random opportunities that pop up when you're not looking for it. And sometimes they're just, well, there's nothing you could have done to, to plan it. You know, it was just kind of a happy accident. And then I'll tell some random uh, stories. I have a couple bullet points down here. And um, one of them I'll, I'll tell you about right away. I was, I got a Best Buy not too far away and I was, I needed to pick up something. Actually, I needed to pick up a tripod for this videography gig because the the tripod that I ordered was delayed from Amazon. So it was supposed to arrive like two days early before I needed it. And then it was, um, you know, two days late after that. And it actually arrived while I was videoing. So I thought, well, as a backup, I'll go and just pick up an extra tripod. It's not going to be as heavy duty or as, um, you know, as robust as I need it to be, but it'll do the job. So I got like, you know, the nicest one that I can get from Best Buy. And as I was walking through, I browse through occasionally. And oftentimes I'll get like some open box item because it's discount and I'm, I'm not super frugal, but I like to get a good, I like to get a good deal, you know? So I was walking, walking through and I had been looking at these, um, it's like Bluetooth little speaker, uh, systems. And, you know, there's a bunch of different manufacturers and companies that, that create them. I've heard good things about the Marshalls that are out there. So I got sort of a smaller one. I'm trying to think of a, you know, a good way to describe the size. It's, um, you know, I'm, I'm running into an issue. I'm like looking around trying to see if I see anything that's about the same size. So I'm going to make a bad comparison. Like if I had maybe like six cell phones and stacked them up on each other, it's kind of that size. So I didn't particularly need a Bluetooth speaker system. And it's just one speaker because, you know, my phone, I could turn it up loud enough, but I have been just kind of annoyed at the, you know, the, the quietness of my phone. And then the other part is I drive an old truck and there's a CD player, but there's no like Bluetooth connection or anything like that. And I, I don't have any CDs anymore. I got rid of them when we moved uh, from Georgia. So there's one CD in there, Stone Temple Pilots, purple, by the way, for people that care. Anyway, so the, the thing is, I don't have a way to like hook up my phone to listen to music while I'm in my truck. So I was like, I could just, this is such a dumb idea now that I'm saying it out loud. Uh, everyone's going to judge me out there, but hey, it's going to work fine. So I had been just like listening to my phone through its speaker and I would set it the cup holder. So it's like a little bit louder, but it's not a, you know, it's not a great solution. So it was like, I'll get this Bluetooth uh, speaker and then I could just like set it on the fucking floor or something. I don't know where I'm going to put it, but I was like, Oh, I'll have this Bluetooth speaker. And then I could like use it around the house or in the backyard. If I'm trying to listen to music out there, or I could put it in my truck when I'm like in the, in the truck on a road trip or something. So I have, 
<laughs> my truck's so old, you know, it doesn't have Bluetooth. I actually installed something so you could plug in like a headphone jack, but my phone, it doesn't have a headphone jack anymore. So anyway, I got this new little Marshall speaker system. It's pretty cool. I got a decent deal on it. And I mean, these little speakers are remarkably loud. It's uh, pretty amazing, the sound quality and the technology and how, how it's advanced over the years. So anyway, I got this little speaker system. It worked out fine. All right, let's get to the main topic of today. A lot of times I talk about the skills that you can learn when you start working online, especially like you don't know if your first website is going to work out. You launch it, you have good intentions, you try a lot of different things, maybe you're using services and you're learning all these micro skills over time. You may not be like an expert, but you get your, you know, your feet a little wet, you dip your toe in the water and you understand how to do a few things. Some of them might be setting up a website, dealing with hosting. It could be like more uh, micro than that, where you're learning how to back up your website because you heard me talk about how important it is to have a backup offsite away from your hosting company. You learn about domains. You learn about uh, WordPress and themes and plugins and a few other pieces, maybe even security, website speed. I can go on and on on just the tech side. There's also the keyword research and the tools associated with that. You also have the uh, content and hiring writers and then formatting the content and subheadings and then the plugins that might be associated with content, something like uh, Rank Math or Yoast SEO. So on and on and on, these things layer on top of each other over and over. And I started doing this kind of stuff, shit, almost a decade ago. So I started in 2013 and I didn't know anything about any of the stuff that I do currently. As time went on, I started layering on different skills. You know, part of it was this podcast and part of it was YouTube. And that is how I landed this videography uh, gig. And, you know, I didn't want to do it. I, I thought about it and I sort of stressed about like not doing it and whether or not I really wanted to but it was just the perfect confluence of events that made it, you know, doable. And then it turned out to be a success. In fact, the, the folks asked me to, um, or if I would do it again, if they could call me in the future. So here, let me, I'll break it down. And over time I've done all these, uh, live streams on YouTube and it started off as a way to avoid editing video because that is time consuming and I wasn't very good at it. And I wasn't able to create the kind of videos that I liked watching specifically, especially when I'm looking at, you know, some of the best uh, YouTubers that I like watching now. And I'm thinking of uh, someone like Matt Diavella and there's a few other folks in the productivity area. I think there's some people called the goal guys and there's a handful of others. I didn't make a list of the, the people I like. Those are just the ones that popped out um, just now as I was thinking about it. And a lot of those videos, I mean, they're just tight. They are scripted. They probably put, you know, eight 
to 30 hours into an individual video, depending on what the topic is. Of course, they have some shorter ones, but generally they're putting in a lot more time. They have B-roll, they're thinking ahead, they're scripting it out, they're getting secondary shots after they do like a, a an edit. And I, I was like, I'll just do live streams, it'll be easier. So over time, I've gotten better at live streams, made it a regular part of my week. Now I do a live stream on my own and I do a live stream with, uh, what do we call that show? It's the, the Niche Lifestyle Show. So I do that with the Niche Website Builders and Alex Cooper from WP Eagle. So I am a member at the co-working space at Mr. Money Mustache HQ. And there's a Discord, uh, is it is it a board? I don't know what we call it. There's a Discord. It's its own thing. So there's Discord. And for people that don't know, basically it's like a chat slash forum kind of situation. And someone said, hey, d- does anyone know how to live stream? And I'm not active even on that community. So eventually someone sent me a direct message and said, someone must've told them that I know how to do it. So they were like, Hey Doug, can you do, do you know how to live stream? And I was like, yeah, I know all about it. And I was thinking that they just needed some advice. Uh, this person, Annie is, um, in a choral group, she sings and it's a fairly big group. I don't know if I had to guess how many people it's maybe like 50 or 70 people in the, in the group. I could be off by a, a pretty decent number, but there's a lot. There's like a few dozen at least. And they perform in the Boulder County area and it's a nonprofit, but they do high quality stuff. As far as I can tell. I'm not a big fan of the of these cultured kind of things. I didn't grow up doing that stuff. Um, but the other piece of this particular concert was an orchestra. So they had like a full orchestra and the choral group. So there's like basically a shitload of people. And it was held in the uh, high school auditorium, one of the high schools out here. And I think that place will hold like they told me 1,700 people. So this is like a theater, basically. You can hold a lot a lot of people. So anyway, Annie said, do you need, or sorry, she said, do you know anything about this stuff? We need a videographer. So I was like, hey, I could tell you about it. So we hopped on the phone and my opening statement was, hey, I know how to do this stuff, but I'm not qualified to do it. I do live streams from my little office, my little studio, but I know all the moving parts. And technically I, you know, I have enough gear to do like a two camera setup, but I'm not the right person for it. I don't know anything about theater. I don't know anything about live stuff um, in the context that you need uh, the person to understand. So she was like, okay, cool. Let me tell you about it a little bit. And, you know, basically they, um, I think this was like their first big show since COVID. So I think they may have done some live stream things, but maybe not a live audience and certainly not the orchestra. So this was kind of a big deal. And, you know, that made it even scarier for me. I didn't want to fuck it up. So when I asked her about like the companies that they had approached, she mentioned that, yeah, they, they got some quotes and it was something like 1200 bucks in that price range to do this, basically a one and a half hour stream. So 
quite a lot of money. I mean, when you think about it, there's a decent amount of equipment involved. There's the expertise to know how to do a live stream and a handful of other, like, you know, like I said, micro skills involved in this whole thing. Part of that is audio too. I mean, this is a audio experience uh, more than anything else. I mean, hopefully the video was good too. They, they seem to like it and they did ask me if I would do it again. So I guess I didn't, I guess I did a good job. I can own it. I did a good job. It looked pretty good. <laughs> Hundreds of people watched it, you know? So I, I, at first I was like, Hey, you know what? I, I don't, if it's, if it's a nonprofit, you know, I don't need, you don't have to pay me. Like I'll, I'll do this thing if I'm the right person for it. But I was like, I don't want to rope myself in. This is where I was hesitating, even though it was a reasonable opportunity. So I was like, ah, I don't know if I want to sign up for this because if I do it, I want to go in and test ahead of time. I want to make sure I'm going to do a good job. So that is one thing. Um, I'm not a perfectionist specifically, but I want to come in prepared. I don't want to be stressed out on the day of. So she was like, sure. Yeah, we want you to come in for the dress rehearsal and test and do a live test and make sure, you know, it's how you expect. I was also very curious about the audio feed at a theater. You know, they have a board, they have microphones, they have, you know, lighting and all that other stuff, but they do have like a mixer and usually some sophisticated things on the other side. And I didn't know, like, I know how to put a couple microphones into recorder. I don't know how to deal with uh, like multiple feeds and different, I, I don't even know what I don't know. I just know there's mixers and there's, there's stuff that can be sent out and you can get a line input. So I needed to go ahead of time and see what was going on. So by the time I got off the phone, and I guess it's important to mention, when I talked to Annie, it was the day that I got my tattoo. And after I got my tattoo, I went to a bar across the street called Long's Peak Brewery, which uh, people know the area. It's just, you know, across the street from where I got the tattoo and across the street from Mr. Money Mustache HQ, literally across the street. So like all of them are, are right there within you know, 400 feet or something like that. They're all right next to each other. So anyway, when I talked to Annie, I had, you know, at least two or three beers. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I'm not the right person for it. We talked for, you know, a few minutes and I was like, ah, you know what, maybe I can do it. And I did eventually charge them. So I was like, Annie, give me like 24, 48 hours to think about this, but I think I could probably do it. If your expectations are low, then I might be the right man for the job here. And I would definitely want to come in for the dress rehearsal and test and see what's going on. So after I thought about it, sobered up, thought about it, I checked in with Annie, said, hey, let's do it. But I'm not going to do it for free. This is, you know, it's going to end up being a significant amount of time. And I think total I put in, including like, you know, driving and back and forth and stuff like that. I think I put in a total of maybe like four and a half hours or so. I probably could have done it in three and a half, but you know, I, I stuck around and hung out uh, at the auditorium for a little longer, but I'll go ahead and count that time. So I won't say exactly how much I, I charged them, but it was a, you know, 
a small percentage, less than half of what I mentioned of the other quotes. So, you know, it was under 600 bucks, which, you know, when I, when I thought about it at first, I was like, ah, it's a nonprofit. I won't charge them. But the thing is they do, I, I don't know what they do with the money that they get. I don't know anything about the, uh, you know, the economics or accounting of, of whatever it is they're doing, but they do charge money for attendance. It's not just free. So the tickets were like 25 bucks. And I basically, I was like, ah, fuck, you know, if I'm going to spend this much time, I should at least, you know, get paid for, for the time. I'm not trying to like make a business out of this or anything. And I I'm delivering, you know, pretty high quality stuff for a fraction of the price and helping them out. And I ended up meeting, you know, quite a few people. This is another thing I talk about pretty often is just, you know, the network and the people that, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I got to meet the, you know, director and the people in charge of the, you know, I think both the orchestra and the choral, I don't know what you call it, a choral group. So I got to meet, you know, the people in charge and generally the board. And then one other person, another, you know, AV geek, I guess that's what I am now. The audio engineer showed up. So this is their archivist. So I guess whenever they do a concert, they have a guy named Kevin come in. He sets up his own mics. He has like a full rack mixer thing that he has on a cart and he can push it in. And it's funny because I'd never paid much attention when I went to shows before, but he, you know, set up some additional mics on the stage, not part of the system of the auditorium. He set up his own mics. He put some mics uh, in the orchestra. He put some in the back with a choral area, the singers, and then a couple mics for soloists. And then he ran, you know, this thick cable and taped it uh, along the aisle and it went all the way up to our little control center area and he had his rack set up and that's where I set up my cameras as well and because Kevin is an actual professional audio engineer and knows what the fuck he's doing he was like okay let me look at your setup over here and I can give you a an audio feed from what I'm pulling so I was initially going to record just the ambient sound from the theater, which is uh, actually pretty hard to control because it gets pretty loud. The thing is the dynamic range is huge. So sometimes it's very quiet and there are surely musical terms to describe this, but sometimes it's very quiet and sometimes it gets really loud. And there were a couple uh, soloists that were just absolutely amazing And they, I don't even think they needed a microphone. They could literally fill the whole auditorium. I mean, it was absolutely amazing. And it got really loud because they were over the the, uh, whole audio system, the PA. So it was, it was loud in there. And when I got Kevin's feed, I could just dial it down. Um, I actually used my PodTrack P4 and I was able to take a stereo signal right and left XLR cables into my recorder. And then I have like individual volume controls for each one of those two inputs. And if it got really loud, there were, there were a couple times where it got pretty loud and I needed to, you know, turn it down just a little bit. And then I was able to hook up my PodTrack P4 via USB into my laptop 
And then I had two cameras. Um, I'm just going to go deep into detail. So I had two cameras. One of them had a 35 millimeter lens on there. And the other one had a hundred millimeter. I have a macro. Um, it's a pretty nice macro hundred mil. Uh, I use Canon stuff. So it's, it was a Canon and that allowed me to do the full view of the, the whole stage. And then I was able to zoom in, not zoom in, but use the 100 mil for tighter shots. And I was able to use that for the soloist and then just sort of pan into different parts of the the stage, basically. So at first, I wasn't going to change shots very much, just occasionally for the soloist. But once I kind of got the hang of it, I switched quite a bit. And I think, you know, everyone was on camera for a few minutes, which, you know, if, if someone's relatives are watching from out of state or something, it's probably cool for them to be on camera for a little while. That, that was what I imagined. I don't know if that was the case. Like I said, a few hundred people ended up watching it. And, um, you know, that I was, I was envisioning someone on stage, you know, just one of the many dozens of singers back there. They had like a, a great aunt watching from Minnesota or something. And uh, they're like, oh yeah, they're, they're on camera now. It's funny. I, I don't know why I thought of that, but I was like, I just want to make sure everybody has some time on camera here, not just the soloist. So it all worked out good. And this is just one, one example where an opportunity kind of jumped out and I was not looking for it. In fact, I wanted to reject it. The perfect confluence of events that I mentioned was, are basically my wife was out of town. So she headed back to Atlanta for her nephew's graduation and she was gone for a couple of days. And I was like, ah, you know what? Technically I don't have anything to do. I mean, you know, if she was home, I could still do it, but there'd be like a more compelling reason. Just we would, we would have stayed home and drank beer and um, watch TV or a movie. Most likely maybe we would have gone out for an early happy hour, but, uh, you know, we're getting older. We hit this uh, period. We have this affliction called middle age. And we <laughs> were like, uh, it's a little like it's loud. If you go to like a, a happening bar on a Friday night, it's just a little too noisy for our taste. So we'll, we'll catch the happy hour. We call it the senior special because that's when old people go out to eat. And we're getting old now. So anyway... It just, you know, came out of nowhere. It ended up being cool. And I got, you know, comped a couple tickets. I gave it to a couple of my friends, actually the people that host uh, another show on the Mile High Five podcast network called Pennies and Popcorn, Pennies and Popcorn. And they talk about real life money lessons from the world of TV and movies. So check that out. Um, I was on an episode we talked about Fight Club. So anyway, I gave it to my friends, Carla and Robert, because um, I thought they might enjoy it. Carla is uh, certainly more cultured than I mentioned that, than I am. And she, Robert is too, but Carla is more cultured, I think. She uh, grew up playing piano. So she has more of a classical music background. And I think, um, you know, her family appreciated the, the uh, culture and arts a little bit more than mine. Not that we didn't enjoy it. We just never went to any of that kind of stuff. So it was pretty cool and people enjoyed it. Um, 
in fact, I, my wife would enjoy this kind of stuff. And I told her that I was live streaming. In fact, my in-laws, my wife's parents would also enjoy it. So I was telling them about it and they watched the whole thing when I live streamed it. And like I said, it turned out pretty good. I uh, kept things in focus and, and panned around and did what I needed to do. And I think in this episode, um, you know, I mentioned this could be a side hustle worth, you know, something like uh, 4,800 bucks per month. And that math, like I said, is from the estimate that I quoted before. And it would only be for about like one gig per week. And the thing is, the skills that I somehow have developed enough to be a professional videographer. And I can only say that I've been paid once to do it, but I can go record some stuff and I have like the software and I know the hiccups that may arise and some of the issues that may arise and I can go and record a live thing. Now I'm not going to do that because I don't really like working with clients, but if this comp, you know, if this coral group needed help again, I maybe would record it again. Um, I'm charging way less. Again, it's, it was sort of a favor. It was kind of a test. But if I wanted to, I could set up shop and have a shingle out there, let people know that I could do videography. I could do uh, a few pieces. I think the key would be making sure I wasn't biting off like more than I could chew. Um, for example, when I got to the auditorium, there's a, there's a full balcony upstairs. I think the, the, um, the floor seating would hold like a thousand or so. And I think there were another like 700 seats upstairs. And as soon as I got there, they said, Oh, it would be pretty cool if you were able to get some shots from upstairs. So if you want to do that, you can. And I was like, Oh, there's no fucking, I mean, not at this point in time. Basically, I have to have like USBs, USB cables tethered. Um, and I don't have like a, a wireless video setup. In fact, I haven't even run across such a thing. <laughs> I'm sure they're out there, but I, I don't think I'm going to be jumping into that. Now, that said, I could have just gotten like a long, long ass USB cable <laughs> and uh, just like let it drape down from the balcony down to where I was sitting. But anyway, it turned out good. It was pretty fun. I learned some things along the way. It was challenging, but it didn't stretch me too much. And it was just enough out of my comfort zone where I learned something cool. So pretty fun, pretty fun stuff. And I encourage you to look at the skills that you have, especially if you've started some side hustle stuff like, like I have. And just over time, you may have put together a pretty cool skill set that other people want to get a hold of. And I mean, just one of the most simple, one of the most straightforward things that maybe you know how to do already is just setting up a website and, you know, doing some of the technical stuff. It's really not that hard. Someone can probably spend, you know, a couple hours watching some YouTube videos and then you're kind of up to speed. But the thing is, whenever you have done this a few times, whatever it is, you learn those sort of basic mistakes and you know to look out for them in the future. So you won't make those little basic mistakes again. And those little mistakes could be enough to really stress someone out. So for example, Annie 
maybe could have, and I'm just making this up. I don't think she has the gear. She sang anyway, so she wouldn't have been able to. So she maybe had a camera that she could have used and kind of maybe could have figured out how to live stream. But there's all these like other little hurdles in place. And some of it, you know, was just basic stuff. Like for example, I started the live stream about 15 minutes early. So people could hop on there. And one thing you may not remember to do is just to mute the audio or make it very quiet so people aren't, um, you know, hearing all the weird ambient noise when people are walking in and out. So, and, and the viewers maybe won't care too much, but I also put up a little uh, caption that said, hey, we're starting soon. So little things like that. And if, you're, if your main thing is to, you know, run the show, run the this concert, you probably don't want to be distracted by doing video. So anyway, look at the skills that you have, look at the things that maybe you've put together and you didn't realize that you were, you were able to do it, but now you could do it on a freelance basis if you wanted to. And I'll just extend this a little farther. Let's say I didn't have my sort of um, passive income things going on and I usually don't say passive income, but let's say I don't have like my, my full, uh, my business and all my things going on. Right. Let's say I have a full-time job and I'm thinking, Hey, fuck it. I want I want to quit. I don't want to do this job anymore. It's uh, too stressful and I spend too much time doing it. I'd rather work like maybe 15 hours a week or something like that. Maybe 10 hours a week, something even smaller. Well, if I did that, right? So if I did this videography thing a little bit more seriously and put my name out there as someone who could help small entrepreneurs do live streams and video, well, I could probably put together a side business where I'm working about 10 hours a week, but I'm making like $7,000 a month or so. And that is totally doable. I can ramp it up a little bit more Let's say I want to uh, take some time off and maybe I want to work for two months and then be off for a month or something like that and just have a cadence where I'm working exactly how much I want to, when I want to, and then dial it up or dial it down whenever I want. Or let's say I want to buy some new guitar, which is the next story I'm going to tell. Let's say I want to buy a new guitar and I want to save up ahead of time. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to take on, you know, extra clients so I can earn more money so I can buy a guitar. If you have any feedback, if you have any success stories along these lines, let me know where maybe you picked up a side gig or something where you've uh, utilized these other skills that you picked up from a side hustle. Feedback at Doug.show. So let's move on to the next story, which is... I got a new guitar. So I had a birthday recently and we were down in Santa Fe, which, you know, it's, it's kind of a cool town. It was different than, you know, the last time we went there, uh, which I don't want to ramble on too much, but it's a cool town and they have a pretty nice, uh, like central square. And we went to Santa Fe several years ago, I think in 2014 or so. And 
we stayed at a house not too far from the town square and it was very nice. We, we had a great impression of it. It was pretty fun and we saw some things. We were working remotely from Santa Fe. So it was, it was a cool town, fairly small overall, but, uh, you know, very, very fun. And we stayed further away from the town square this time. And it, I mean, it was a, okay. Hotel was fine. It was a Marriott, uh, courtyard, courtyard Marriott. So it was fine. But the crazy thing is there were, um, far more homeless people around and, uh, many of them seemed to have, you know, some sort of drug issue or, you know, mental health, uh, troubles or something, just a lot of sort of tweaked out looking folks, um, around. And I don't think we were staying in a particularly like bad part of town or anything. It was kind of, you know, the main strip, but, um, yeah, just a, a lot more homeless people around there. It was, you know, like I said, we had a fine time. The other side note, I am telling you a lot about Santa Fe. The other side note with Santa Fe is um, it was very smoky one of the days we were there. So at the time that I'm recording this, or at least like in early May, there was a fairly significant wildfire burning in the Santa Fe area. The big one, uh, fortunately, was east of the city. So we didn't get uh, much smoke from there. But there was a smaller fire west of the city. And, you know, one day it was kind of okay. You couldn't see the smoke just in the distance, but the wind shifted and, you know, the air quality went down tremendously. And that was actually on my birthday. So we tried not to go outside as much, you know, once after the, after the wind shifted, but even just being outside a little bit, you could feel it in your lungs. And, you know, where I'm from, in the Atlanta area, it's very wet and humid. Um, in a lot of the Southeast wildfires uh, do occur, but it's quite rare, not like it is out here in the West. And, um, if you haven't experienced such a thing, you know, that's fortunate, but I know a lot of the people out, uh, in the, in the, in the high desert of the West and the Rocky mountains, and certainly in the, the West coast, there's wildfires in the last few years, but yeah, the smoke and air quality is just crazy. All right. So here's the story on my birthday. I, I was like, ah, you know, there's a couple of guitar shops in Santa Fe. I want to check out. There was one that, um, they were supposed to have, um, like a little accessory that I was looking for. I've been taking guitar lessons and my instructor, Christina Vane told me about a particular slide, which is a, a implement that you put over your finger to play guitar. She was like, oh yeah, this is the brand that I like and I like it because of this. So I found that there was a dealer in one of the guitar shops in Santa Fe. So I, I wanted to go over to that guitar shop and it ended up being uh, kind of weird. The guitar shop was kind of, it wasn't really open for uh, visitors so much. So there, there was a guy, he had a lot of cool guitars, a lot of old uh, vintage guitars, and he was repairing them and stuff, but his shop was just kind of a mess. There was just, just guitars and stuff all over the place. And I just wanted a slide. In fact, when we showed up, it looked like it was closed, but there was a post-it note on the door that said, I'm in the back. Just give me a call if you want to come in. So we gave him a call and, um, you know, I actually ended up getting a slide. They didn't have the brand that I was looking for, which is the reason why I went to that shop in the first place. So they didn't have the brand, but they did have a 
custom locally made glass blown slide. So I felt a little bad and I, I bought it. I probably shouldn't have purchased that one because it turns out it's, it was, um, it was too big. I didn't realize like how much bigger it was than I needed, but it ends up being okay. And I, there's a story behind it too. So that's fair enough. Anyway, we went in there. It was a bit of a bust because I was like, ah, you know, I, it was so strange in there. The guy was obviously like doing something else and didn't, I mean, if, if I went in there and I was like, Hey, maybe I'll buy a guitar, then, uh, maybe he, his, um, his approach would have been a little bit different, but yeah, he was fairly disengaged and didn't really give a fuck that we were there. I mean, he was nice enough, but I will mention it, the name of the shop, but it was a fine shop. And if you're looking for vintage stuff, um, you know, there's plenty of other places in Santa Fe to check it out. Um, but you may end up at, at this shop that I'm not going to mention since I just kind of shit on it. However, I knew that there was another guitar shop only about a quarter mile away. I looked it up a couple days before we got to Santa Fe and it's called Stay Gold Guitars. And they specialize in acoustics and they specialize in vintage gear or high-end and boutique guitar makers. So very specific definitely more on the high end side. And it was only, I mean, it was really just, you know, three minutes down the road. So my wife was like, yeah, if you want to go somewhere else, uh, let's check it out. And I was like, cool, let's go over to this place. So we rolled up over there and it was kind of in a newer, um, sort of suite and set up over there. I think there was like a CrossFit next door or something like that. There were people like running in and out and like exercising. Right. So same deal. I got to stay gold and on the door was a, Hey, give me a call by appointment only, blah, blah, blah. And I almost didn't call in. Um, I was like, ah, you know, I got to make an appointment, blah, blah, blah. It was my birthday. So my wife said, ah, just give them a call. You know, we're already here. Just, you know, see what they say. We can come back later. Um, you know, maybe they can come right over. So I called up and it was Sean's cell phone. He wasn't like, Hey, stay gold guitars. It, it was just like, hello. I'm like, Hey, this, uh, we're at the shop. We want to come in. I know it's appointment only, but we're here right now. And he's like, oh, I could be there in like five minutes or so. So anyway, they had just amazing guitars in there and they've only been around for just around two and a half, three years or so. They opened just before the pandemic timeframe and they were a sort of a, just a, a normal sort of guitar shop with a handful of vintage things, but they also had just like um, sort of starter and beginner gear, things that push more volume, but it's much lower dollar. But as I talked to Sean and asked about the business and stuff, he was like, yeah, with the pandemic, like I just decided I wanted to shift over to this vintage stuff, which is his passion. And then the high-end acoustics, which are tougher to get. So I'm not going to tell you about all the stuff that I played, but they did have a a very similar guitar to the Recording King 1939 Carson J. Robinson that I have that a similar one, which had the same shape headstock. It's actually a Kalamazoo brand and Kalamazoo, Michigan is where the Gibson factory acoustic factory was back in the day. 
maybe even their electric factory too. I don't know the history as much on the electric side. So anyway, they had a, you know, remarkably similar guitar. A couple, you know, minor things were different, but like I said, same headstock, the finish looks the same, same pick guard and, you know, just really cool. And they had, they had multiple hundred year old guitars. And what they do is they, they find them usually in disrepair, just kind of you know, beat up, neglected, cracks. Uh, sometimes the bracing inside the guitars are, you know, un- coming unglued and they just, you know, they're not playable essentially. And they, they get them and they, they fix them up and, you know, fix the neck, set everything up to make sure it's playable. And they are amazing. Even if they are, even if they were like cheap student guitars that were, you know, just really kind of low end they sound amazing and acoustic guitars get better with age anyway i am learning slide guitar and i have always liked the you know the resonator sound sometimes you'll hear people call them a dobro um, which is a specific brand but anyway they had a couple of those and one of them on the wall was a national so national resophonic was it is sort of one of the high-end brands for slide or not slide guitar but resonator guitars is what it's called resonator so anyway i wasn't planning on getting a guitar but i picked it up and i did i mean i'm learning slide i literally went to one of the shops in santa fe to pick up a slide and I picked up this guitar is a, a national Rezo rocket wood body. So it's a mahogany body. And for people that don't know what a resonator guitar is, it's, there's a metal plate in there. It's sort of shaped like a speaker. There's a few different kinds. I'm not going to go too deep into it. And it, it gives it this sort of uh, metallic sound and it amplifies the sound they actually created the resonator guitar to be louder so that the guitars could be heard over other loud instruments like brass or banjos or mandolins or other you know pretty loud things maybe not mandolins specifically but they could pack a punch so anyway i picked up this guitar and i was like oh fuck this thing plays amazing it looks cool And, you know, it's a national, which is, you know, a fairly nice brand. Some people, you know, if you're into acoustic guitars, you may have heard of like Martin and Taylor and Gibson. And those are sort of higher end and national, you know, sits um, sort of in that prestigious area as well. By the way, if you hear barking, Georgie is dreaming next to me. So I have this sweet guitar and probably pretty soon I will post pictures of my guitars on Instagram. So I'm just at Doug Cunnington. If you want to follow along, I haven't posted any yet, but I've been threatening. I want to, I want to like show each one of them, but I'm going to pick up the guitar just for a minute here. I'm not going to make you listen for too long, but I do want to just, you know, for the people that aren't familiar with the slide or resonator guitars, hopefully this won't be too loud. I'm just going to play a couple, couple licks here. I've always liked slide since I got into to music and stuff. And 
yeah, it's just, it's, it's fun. And I've been getting into different kinds of music and discovering like new artists and stuff like that. So it's been fun. And I have been just, I've been playing a lot and it's been a blast. So that is my guitar story. And it is a cool one. Yeah. I, I'm like, I'm not worthy of uh, the guitars that I have. And it's been fun to, uh, you know, kind of, I don't want to say it, but kind of start collecting them a little bit here. So anyway, that's all I got for today. If you have feedback, let me know. Feedback at Doug.show. I appreciate you listening to the side stories. Those are fun to tell sometimes. And uh, maybe sometime, I, I don't know. I, I may pay, play some like outro music, some some original stuff. I know Jason has emailed me a couple times, was asking me, about some listener, Jason, for the people that don't know, Jason, you know who you are, but you know, you talked about, um, you know, writing my own music and stuff. And I do, I've always noodled around and, um, I, you know, funny enough, as I said, I'm not very cultured. I have noodled around and like to put together sort of my own, uh, chord progressions and songs. And I'm not a technically proficient guitarist. Um, but I do, you know, I like to come up with some some ideas but I, I haven't um ever really put them down and, and published them in any format but i could put it as an outro someday so if you want to hear that kind of stuff let me know if enough people tell me that you want to hear my stuff i might put it as an outro as, as a b-side we'll call it and um maybe, maybe that's the seeds to uh you know the first album something like that all right that's it for today Everybody have a good week and we'll catch you on the next episode.